Amen. Amen. Shaking water off of his things as he brings them back. We can just leave this right here. I think I can. Normally it's a little patch of shade. There's one dry spot up here on the stage. It's where Caleb was standing. Wow, how true, how true is it? I mean, when we think about what Jesus Christ did for us, the, the lyrics to that last song make sense, though they don't make any sense. You know, I, I, we can't do it. God did it. God did it for us. It's reckless. I mean, I mean, that's kind of a way to look at it anyway. You know, we've talked about being arrested by his grace and, and having our sin arrested. Great, great lyrics this morning. Um, welcome. Welcome to the second part of a series we're doing right now called The Best News Ever. And, uh, you know, the Lord provided some great weather this week for the Lingual Centennial Celebration. And I had it in my notes this morning. What a beautiful morning. And what a, honestly, I mean, yeah, it's raining. And it uh, kind of feels like we're all camping. You know, we need some fires and some smoke to blow in our eyes as we're, vis you know, enjoying the, the morning. But, uh. I want to thank you for coming. You know, our little town is 100 years old, as it says. And uh, I want to just, just quickly here at the beginning give you 10, 10 ways you can know that you live in a small town. You know, you know you live in a small town if you could name every person in your graduating class. Um, I can. I was in a really small town. Um, Check, one, two. Check, one, two. All right, we'll see if you can keep hearing me. You, uh, you know you live in a small town when you call the wrong number and the person who answered politely gives you the correct number. Not as true with cell phones as it used to be because who, who has a phone book anymore? I mean, really, honestly. Um, you know you live in a small town when you never carry a key for your house because it is always unlocked. And just in case, the only key was hidden in your mailbox or a flower pot so your neighbor's relatives and mailman would know where to find it if they needed to get into your house. Number four, uh, you could charge things at businesses without a credit card and the clerk knew who to charge it to without asking for your name. That still happens in our towns. Uh, you know you live in a small town if packages could always find you. Right? UPS deliveries made it to you no matter what address was on the box as long as it just had your name. Uh, you know you live in a small town uh, if everything shuts down for high school football. And when the team made the playoffs, the musical was rescheduled because the lead actor was also the quarterback. You know you live in a small town if you were encouraged to bring a prom date from a different school just so there was a crowd at prom. Oh, and prom likely included a sit-down meal for everyone before the dance, which probably took place in the high school gym. That was my prom. Uh, number eight, you know you live in a small town if the only traffic jam your town ever experienced was during the once-in-a-lifetime total solar eclipse.
Uh, number nine, you know you live in a small town. When people ask you where you are from, you sort of mumble your tiny town's name and then automatically tell them the larger town nearby. And number 10, and this is my favorite one, uh, you know you live in a small town when the only stoplight in town is the one at the railroad crossing. Well, you know, the town of Lingle has experienced a lot of change in its 100 years since incorporation, hasn't it? I mean, there's buildings that were here once and aren't here. There's obviously people that were once here and weren't here. And there's been lots of difficult times in history throughout that 100 years. And this morning, I want to talk about the fact that we can trust God in difficult times and in times of change. Leaning on him when life gets rough, um, when life changes. Now, have you ever been in a place in your life where change has taken you on an unexpected journey or to a place you never thought you would ever go? You dreamed, you, you never dreamed that you would have a storm blow into your life like the one that you're experiencing or that you would be navigating this particular time in life in, in the way that you are navigating it. That you would ever have to deal with something like this. Have you ever thought those words? Have you ever said those words? Now, I've attended a couple weddings in the last few, uh, few weeks, and uh, whenever I attend a wedding or I officiate a wedding, when I look at the couple that's standing up there making a lifelong commitment, I always think to myself, man, are they about to experience the winds of change in their life. I mean, they truly have no idea what's going to happen in the next few years when it comes to being married. I've talked to people going through a separation or a divorce. I mean, now that's a storm that people experience in life. We have several families who have uh, recently had new births in their family. I mean, you talk about a lot of changing that's going to start happening right there. Uh, and I know some parents who have an adult child who, who's breaking their heart right now because they're making decisions and, and they're, they're in a place where they never thought they would be before. What about personal changes? Think about some of these things. The day you leave for college, the day you graduate from college, or the day you pack up that moving trip and you that moving truck and you move to a completely different place and start a completely different time of your life or the hours before your first child is born or the moment after the divorce is final or the walk from saying goodbye at a graveside to the car knowing that life will never ever be the same again. That first day on a new job, the last day before retirement. I mean, we're all going to experience change. There's change in life, and that change causes anxiety. It causes fear. It can cause uneasiness. So 2,600 years ago, the Greek philosopher Heraclitus said this. He said, life is like a river. It's in a continual state of change. You can stick your foot in the river and then take it out of the river, and when you put it back into the river, it will be a different river because the river has moved on. You know, so much change, and life can be the same. Now, here's two changes that I've noticed in our culture, and these cause a great deal of anxiety and stress and tension in us, all right? The first change is this, and if you're taking notes, if you brought a pen and you have the note sheet, write this under the introduction part. Everything is moving faster. I, I, unsolicited, I've had several people I visited with in the last couple days say things like, man, when I was in high school, they said that life's going to start moving faster the older I get, but I had no idea that they were really right. 
that it was going to get that way. <laughs> We've seen, I mean, I've seen in my own lifetime, computers going from room-sized to phone size, right? To pocket size. I remember when the first heart transplant occurred in, in our world. I even remember life before post-it notes. Post-it notes, you know, didn't come onto the scene until 1981. What did we ever do without post-it notes? I remember when there were only three channels on our TV, ABC, CBS, and PBS. They, we didn't even have NBC. Didn't even know what the Nobody Cares Network was about. <laughs> Ryan got that one. And not only did we only get three, but we could only get one at a time. So you could watch one, and then if you wanted to change the channel, you had to turn that little dial, which actually rotated the antenna up on the pole to point towards Scott's Bluff or to Cheyenne. That's how it worked at our house. I also remember that you had to actually walk from the chair to the TV to change the channel, right? Through the shag carpet. Anybody remember that? Yeah, oh yeah. Now I think about change and I think of my dad who was actually the, uh, my dad was the Grand Marshal of the Albin Day Parade yesterday in Albin. Um, he will be 80, he'll be 89 years old this year in October. Um, you talk about somebody that's seen a lot of change in their life. Um, I think about the changes that dad has seen. Electricity was new. Computers were new. Cordless phones were new. Cabs on combines and tractors, new in his lifetime. Aluminum wheat scoops, yeah, that was invented during my dad's lifetime. He showed me a steel one, no thank you. I mean, life moves faster, and then I think about my grandma, who was born in 1900. Oh, she's not living today, but the change that happened from 1900 to 1992 or 3 when, when grandma passed away. Yeah, life is moving faster. It's moving faster, and that pace of life causes stress. It causes anxiety, and it can cause fear. The second thing that's happening right now is that every decision that we make is getting more complicated. Our decisions are more complicated. I mean, we are inundated with choices, right? Every day of our lives, we're swimming in a world of choices. Have you ever walked down the body care aisle at Walmart? You talk about choices. I mean, I, my wife sends me to the, grocery, to the store to get, like, I don't know, shampoo. It's like, you don't just go get a bottle of shampoo. You need to know what kind, what brand, and there are hundreds of brands and kinds. And then wh what about shaving cream? Men, how many men buy their own shaving cream? I'm just curious. A couple? I see one hand in here. All right, okay. How many women buy shaving cream for their husband? Raise your hand. I mean, how do you even make that decision? There's normal skin. There's fragrance-free. There's tough beard, regular skin conditioning, sensitive skin, menthol, medicated, extra moisturizing, extra protection, extra refreshing, extra soothing for crying out loud. Now, let me ask this. Men, have you ever been sent to the store by your wife to get cough syrup? Seriously. There's this brand called Triaminic. Have you heard of Triaminic? 
They don't just make one cough syrup. You know, you go there, triaminic. It's like which one? There's triaminic AM, triaminic PM, triaminic DM, which I have no idea even what that is. There's regular, infant, cold and allergy, cold and cough, chest and head, triaminic throat pain and cough, severe cold and fever. I mean, I know those are kind of small things, but I mean, life is more complicated today. Technology boasts it's easier and faster, but it's not. We are on choice overload. So how are we supposed to live in this kind of environment? Things getting faster, things changing more, life getting more frantic and complicated. Well, Alvin Toffler, who wrote a book entitled Future Shock, he says this. He says, what people need in their life are islands of stability. Islands of stability. Those are things that do not change, that we can absolutely 100% guarantee will never change. Islands of stability. Now, God made us pretty adaptable. I mean, look at us here today, right? We're adapting to the weather conditions. We're figuring it out. Some of us, when it comes to change, might even be exhilarated by change, although some of us, most of us, I would suggest, don't. We don't like change. We like things to be the same and constant. But what do we do when, when life is flying off the wall, coming unglued, and the hurricanes or the rains of life are happening? What do we do in the midst of those? We need to have something in our life that does not change. It doesn't change. Something that we can anchor ourselves to. Something that is eternally secure. Is there anything in our world that's like that? I mean, my guess there are probably things in your life that you thought were secure, that you thought were stable two or three years ago, but you found out since then that they're not so much. They weren't reliable. Is there anything that never, ever changes? Yes. As a matter of fact, there is. In fact, there are three things this morning I want to mention that never, ever change. Three things. The first one is God's love. God's love never changes. In Malachi 3.6, God says this, I, the Lord, do not change. Now, there's a theological term for that. It's called the immutability of God. The immutability of God. He doesn't change. He's, he's always been, he's always been the same that he is now. Immutability of God means that, that he's the same. He's never changing. And, and he's a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hebrews 13.8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. Of course he is. He's God. Now, in the past 26 years, my own life has changed enormously. New job, married, kids, graduation from high, graduations of my own kids from high school, their graduations from college, my own graduation from seminary, an empty nest. I mean, lots of things have changed. A, a change in my own job a few years ago. And, and I would like to say that my wife and I have learned not only how to cope with change, but to come through that change 
having grown, knowing more, being wiser. Some would say I'm not too wise. I know one over here in this tent right here who's, who's laughing as I'm looking at him. When he said to me, what's the plan this morning? And I said, church in the park. <clears throat> but this is, this is the truth. God's love for you never changes. It never changes. Jeremiah 31.3, God says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That love is going to last forever. It's unchanging. <laughs> no matter what happens, no matter what you're going through, no matter what choices you make in your life, God's love does not end. It does not change. He doesn't stop loving you. The Bible teaches us that, God's love, that God loves me just as much on my good days as he does on my bad days. God loves me when I feel it, and he loves me when I don't feel it. God loves me when I do what he wants me to do. God loves me when I don't do what he wants me to do. God's love is not based on our performance. It is consistent. It is continual. It is everlasting. 1 John 4.8 says that God is love. God is love. He doesn't just love. He is. We are inherently and forever loved by God no matter who we are or what we do. Now, right now you may be doing things that God hates. You may be a mean, nasty person, or maybe you gossip, or judge others, or you're living an immoral life, or you're greedy, or you're violent. Maybe you're murderous and you're full of hate. God hates all of that. But God still loves you. God still loves. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. There is nothing that we could do or not do that would change the fact that God loves us. I think it's important to remember that. Psalm 119, 159 in the New Living refers to God's love as unfailing. God's unfailing love. Another translation says, your love never changes. It doesn't change. We can count on God's love no matter what happens in the future. God isn't going to start loving us. God isn't going to stop loving us. Romans 8, 38, Paul says this, Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Do we believe that? It's true. It won't change. God's love never changes. That is something we can anchor our life to in the midst of whatever the second truth we can anchor our lives to is that God's word will never change. God's word will never change. I'm talking about the scriptures, the Bible, the principles in the Bible about life. Apply, applied when it was written, when God spoke it to those who wrote it down, to today. It is no less relevant to life in the world that we live in today than it was 2,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago. Isaiah, verse 40, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. 
It's timeless. It's eternal. It never withers. It's always fresh. It never goes stale. God's word is never out of date. And compared to human writings, that is a supernatural thing. When we human beings write things, they get out of date pretty quickly, like phone books. Our society is changing so fast that breakthroughs in science and technology and medicine, they're in the past. If a science textbook took three or four years to write, it would be out of date before it was printed. And we know that to be true about computers for sure. That's how fast human ideas seem to happen. Psalm 119, 152 says, I have known from my earliest days that your laws will last forever. Notice God's word is not temporary suggestions. It's not for the time and the moment when it was written. <coughs> they are eternal. <coughs> eternal principles about how life works. Psalm 119, 105 says this, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. In other words, by your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. The Bible is completely reliable, completely true, and it was given to us by God. And it's something that I've submitted my life to. I've spent the last 45 years or so trying to follow God's instructions faithfully. And I want to tell you this. I have no regrets. None. I, I have many regrets in the fact of decisions and things that I've chosen to do in my life, but I have no regrets when it comes to building my life on God's holy word. None. It led me to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ to where I know that my sins are forgiven. It has shown me how to build a marriage. It's taught me how to raise my kids, how to build friendships that last, how to handle money, how to treat my body, how to reconcile relationships that have been hurt. It's comforted me in times of sorrow and strengthened me in weakness and rebuked me when I was going my own way. And then it affirms me when I'm on track. God's word. Submit to it. Respect it. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, it fashions and forms us. I mean, it really is the most important book in my life. It, it, in the world, as far as I'm concerned. It's a wonderful navigational tool when life changes. And even when life stays the same. It is a light for a dark path. The third truth this morning that I can understand and know confidently is this. God's purpose for my life will never change. God's purpose for my life and for your life will never change. 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 29 says, For he, God, is not a human being that he should change his mind. You know, I'm glad for that verse. God created each and every one of us for a purpose. And that plan doesn't change. Proverbs 19.21 says this, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. God says, I made you for a purpose. I've got a plan. Believe it. It doesn't change. And if you want to know your purpose, Jesus would say it like this, Put me first and follow me. Put me first and follow me. And, and, and as our life unfolds, we see this amazing adventure story 
that, that God works out in our life, starring you, directed by him. In our life, there's drama, there's meaning and significance, there's comedy, there's laughter, there's tears. And we directly and indirectly impact more people than we could ever imagine in how we follow God's word and how we trust him. I think God would say, I will use you to be the answer to someone's prayer. I'll use you to shape the future of a child. I'll use you to challenge a wayward person. I'll use you to bring my message of hope to someone who's drowning in despair. I'll use you to soothe someone's pain and ease someone's loneliness and feed someone who's hungry. I'll use you to set people free from oppression and injustice and deepen someone's faith and cheer someone on. And in the process of giving yourself away, I will fill you back up. It will be the adventure of a lifetime. Which brings up two important questions that we might have as we think about these things, these three truths about God. The first one is this, can I miss God's purpose for my life? Can I miss it? I think absolutely we could miss it. Millions and millions of people miss God's purpose for their life every day. We could live our entire life and never fulfill the reason we were actually put on this planet. And I think that's a tragedy. But God never forces his purpose on us. It's a decision that we make. It's, it's a moment in time when God is drawing us where we respond to him and we say, Jesus, I surrender to you as the Lord of my life. And I want to follow your plan and your purpose for my life. People can run from that. Take, we, we say, take control of my life and, and make me the best me that, that, you have that you have created me to be. Lead me into the way of everlasting, which includes the right now, from this moment on. Yes, I believe we can miss our purpose in life, the very reason we were created. But here's the thing we need to remember. Our purpose is always connected to other people. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were created for these good works, not just working more hours or putting more money in the bank or putting that dream house together or going on a vacation. We were created to make an impact. And when we do, we fulfill our purpose for being alive. Yes, I think we can miss it. I think we can run from it. And I think sometimes God makes our life miserable until we see what that purpose is and we surrender to it. The second question is this. So if I've been missing it, can I get back on track? If I've been, in a sense, wasting my life, not following the purpose of God, can I get back on track? And I would say absolutely yes. Now, some of you are thinking, but Pastor Dave, you don't know what I've done, the mistakes that I've made, the, the moral blowout I had three years ago or ten years ago. You don't know the stupid decisions that I made where I took the wrong turn in life and I wasted years. You don't know. And to that, I say this, regardless of what has happened in your life to this point, God has not given up on you. He will leave the 99 to go for the one.
even all those dumb, stupid decisions that you and I have made in the past, that reckless love of God continues to pursue us and pursue us. Think about the biggest disappointment that you've ever had, or think about the biggest regret that you've ever uh, have in your life. Something that comes to your mind immediately, and it still hurts to even think about it. God has found a way to weave that mistake into his plan and his purpose for your good, for your growth, and for his glory. Isn't that good news? Isn't it good to know that, that when we've screwed up, that God can take that, whatever the consequences of that are, and he can work that out for good in your life and in mine? No matter what you've gone through, whether it was your fault or someone else's, God can use it. He can pick up the pieces. Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now let me be specific and ask you, where do you turn when the rain falls? <laughs> where do you turn when the streams rise and the floods come and the winds blow? When the bottom drops out, when you're holding on for life, you're gasping for air. You know, being in church or being connected to Jesus Christ doesn't mean that you're not going to face storms. Just because you plan to have church in the park doesn't mean the weather's going to be great for it. I mean, it might be raining cats and dogs in your own life this morning. Maybe you've been hit by more than one hailstorm in your life. You've done all you can, but your marriage isn't standing. Maybe the tests have come back positive, and the tumor is malignant, and they're going to operate. You've got a son who won't come home, or a daughter that's run away for the fourth time. You've been misunderstood and people said things about you, things that aren't true. They've stabbed you in the back. When you think about your future, what is your stomach in a knot about? When you think about the changes that are coming or might come in your life, what is it that causes your back muscles and your neck to tense up? or your face to feel flushed, or your mouth to go dry because you think, I don't know if I can handle that or not. I want to leave us with this, Psalm 56, 11. In God I trust and am not afraid. You know what? God never changes. That's great news. That's the best news. God never changes. Why should I be afraid? I don't need to be afraid. I trust God. I trust God. That's it. That's all we need when life changes. When the hurricane winds hit our life, all we need is to receive God's love in Jesus Christ, to believe God's word, and to commit to God's purposes. And you know what? I don't know how difficult it feels now, but you will make it. You will make it. Hold on to these three truths and recognize that you don't need to fear. When life changes, 
We can anchor ourselves to an island of stability. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his word and the purpose that he has for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Lord, thank you for the rain. Thank you for the moisture and the, the growth that it's going to put in, in our land. And Father, I want to pray for people that are here today or listening online or watching who might, who might feel like their life is just an, a desert right now. Father, I pray that they would recognize that your grace is like rain. That when we humbly surrender to you, you pour your grace over us. And the things that were a desert in our life will begin to grow again. And we will find strength. Father, I, I, know, there's, there's, I know there's people here who have big changes coming up in their life. Maybe it's the birth of a child. Maybe it's a doctor appointment. Maybe it's some other thing, a, a, a fractured relationship or relationships. Maybe it's a, a failing marriage. Maybe, maybe it's maybe a, a, a move to a completely different country is, is in their future. And there's, there's anxiety and there's some fear. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to anchor ourselves to you, the God who never changes, that you would help us to trust in your word that never changes. It's true, it's reliable, and I pray, Father, that you would continue to help us to submit to your purpose for our life. And now, Father, I pray that you would hear our hearts and our worship as we call out to you in this last song. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>